1: It's time, it's time,
0: time, time to get in the zone, time to
1: get in the zone
0: with the 49ers web zone. This
1: is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. Isn't important for the 49ers to start fast 2023? I'm Al Saffer with you with the 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast. No Brian today, but we got Zane, everybody's favorite Zane. It's not Zane Gonzalez, it's not Zane Beatles, it's not that Zane dude from One Direction, it's Zane Nazi.
0: It's me. The one Everybody and only. Zane, I preceded all of them.
1: You are. You were kind of the original Zane. I feel like you are anyway. Yes. I, yes. I feel I like you're the I'm the OZ. <laughs> the OZ. <OG. laughs> Zane, I feel like this year with the Niners, you know, you, you guys did a great job with um, on the last show talking about schedule, downstyles and taking a look at what the Niners have to get through this year to get back where they were and into the NFC Championship game. And I feel like I don't feel like it's an overly difficult schedule by any chance. There are some tough games. There are some tough stretches. But this is a loaded team that is still going to win a lot of games. Where I want to see and what worries me a little bit is we've seen slow starts in the past couple of years that's, that have really sort of hampered the team. And I, I want to compare it to the 2013 team, which I'll get to. But if you look at the last two seasons, say, now we know 2020, they started out three and five. It really looked bleak there for a while. Um, I'm sorry, 2021, I should say they started out three and five. It really looked bleak there for a while until Debo kind of did the Superman thing and and put them on his back and they end up in the NFC championship game. They end up going 10 and seven. They have a nice little run in the playoffs and, and they lose at the Rams this past season. Again, I mean, you can't complain much about the record overall this past season, they went 13 and four, but again, it was the slow start that hampered them in the beginning and they end up having to play the NFC Championship game on the road again. So they start out three and four in 2022 before going on an absolute terror. And now, obviously, there were extenuating circumstances in the NFC Championship game in Philly. what did they lose two games? So that that's tough to compete with. But if you want home field and you're aiming for the Super Bowl, they're going to have to start fast and they're going to have to win. They're probably going to have to win 13, 14 games this season.
0: Yeah, and law of averages, right? They start slow every year they under Kyle shanahan at least they've started slow every single year with Except- exception 2000. of 2019 yeah, yeah 2019 was the only year where they 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 went on a tear at the beginning of the year even then at the beginning of the year they didn't look terribly good right like they were kind of scraping by they scraped by against tampa bay scraped by against the steelers like they, they were they were not dominating teams and and they were they were flawed but they were riding that defense to basically what was a championship caliber team at the beginning until the offense caught up but I'm looking this year, and assuming that Brock Purdy is healthy and he is the quarterback. Once, once he gets into the fold, I'm I'm assuming that they will run like a well-oiled machine after some period of break-in time. To you know, when when he gets his, his land legs underneath him, coming off of a pup or IR, or whatever he's going to be on mm-hmm. to start the season. Really, I'm hoping for three and one in the first four games. Really, like that's what I'm hoping for, as <clears> opposed to to two and two or one and three, like we've seen in the past. Like I, I want them to have a, a winning record. Those freebies at the beginning of the season, I will call them freebies, but it's a softer schedule at the beginning of the season. You got to have at least three of those four first four. Then you've got teams like Dallas. You've got later on in the season, the, the Seattle, Philadelphia, Seattle three week span, which, which is going to be killer. You've got mm-hmm. the Ravens coming on Christmas as well. So they, they have opportunities to stack wins early. And I hope that they can take advantage of that. Like last year, look, the beginning of the season, it, it literally took an act of God to, to have them lose to the Bears. The Bears were an awful team. And the Niners played in that monsoon. If it was nice weather, regardless of who the quarterback was, Trey, Jimmy, whoever it was, to start that, to start the season, they wouldn't won that game. We, we all know that. So assuming that all things are equal, that they don't come up with some snowstorm in, in September, they should be okay at the beginning of the season. They should they should be able to reel off a couple wins there.
1: Well, I think the way I kind of look at it, and when you look at the schedule, and we'll do our schedule prediction show later with with records and everything, but you kind of say, okay, can they go three and one here? Can they maybe go two and two here? Can they weather the storm here? I'm not looking at it that way this season. I'm looking at can you go out and can you win almost every single game this year? Can you go 14 and three this year? Because you have a loaded roster. Because the NFC is weak. I don't know. I don't think Philly is going to win that many games again, but you're probably going to have to at least win 13 or 14, I would think to sort of make sure that you get the buy. Yeah. And I think the beginning of the season, like you said, we've seen them roll in the second half of the season. We saw them get going last year after the three and four start, they got healthy. um, Well, I I should say they got, they got right against the Rams. They won an ugly game against the chargers. They killed Arizona. They won a really ugly game against the saints. And you're still kind of wondering at 7-4, and four, okay, this offense looks clunky. It's all over the place. There's a good week, a bad week. And then Purdy comes in, and it's the best offense we've seen since Steve Young, right? Yeah. And they just started reeling off wins, reeling off wins until he got hurt. So Purdy has helped them to get over that hump offensively where they're putting up 35 a game. But they can't have a stretch. Yeah, there was the monsoon game against the Bears. Okay. The Bears played in it too, but I'll give it to you. It was it was a really tough game to play in. But then you lose against a bad Broncos team. You lose against a Falcons team that was scrappy, but you really should have beat. And then you lost to the Chiefs. Whatever that happens. So am I saying they should have gone sixteen and one last year? Yeah, you know what? They probably should have. <laughs> they probably should have gone sixteen and one that year. They were that good, and other than the Chiefs game, they they could have done that. Now here's here's where I where what I was thinking about the other day. Um, as my mind goes crazy in the off season, do you remember the 2013 team? Obviously you do. That team was loaded, right? Yeah. We went into that season knowing that it was Kaepernick's second year. And we went into the season knowing they had like the best roster in the league. I mean, that roster yeah. from one to 53 or whatever was absolutely stacked. Now Kaepernick went into it as all young quarterbacks do he came out guns blazing against the packers and then he went into a slump he only averaged 154 yards passing over the next nine games and the niners went five and four and they didn't score a lot. well there were some games they scored points but a lot of it was because the defense set them up they had some pretty ugly games offensively um in that five and four stretch they lost 29 to three in week two to the seahawks they lost 27 to seven to the colts and then they go on a stretch where they scored a lot of points against the rams texans cardinals titans and jags but it wasn't like they were putting up crazy offensive numbers we're getting a lot of turnovers a lot of short fields and then they lose a 10-9 game to the panthers and a 23 to 20 game to new orleans where the offense played absolutely atrocious they only had 196 total yards and the defense again had set them up with touchdowns so where am i going with this they go 12 and 4 that year and after that game against new orleans they go on a a tear again they get the nfc championship but because they lost those games that they should have won Early on, and they went over that in that sloppy phase. They had to go to Seattle in a game which ultimately ended up being the Super Bowl. And if that game is in San Francisco, I think the Niners won the Super Bowl that year because both of those teams were better than broad. They were more physical than the Broncos, and you saw that in the Super Bowl. So that's what's on my mind this year. Is I think this is a huge season for the Niners, 2023. I think this is the year when everybody's going to be here. There's going to be some changes in 2024. They're loaded. They have to come out guns blazing. They should win 14, 15 games. I really feel that way. If the quarter, if if Purdy is healthy, they should win 14, 15 games. And I think they have to take advantage of that because I don't want them to be on the road again in an NFC championship game. I want the NFC championship game to be in Santa Clara.
0: Yeah. I, I vividly remember that 2013 season because coming fresh off of that Super Bowl loss to the Ravens, they, they acquired Anquan Bolden. Again, like you said, it was another year of, it was year two or first full year of Kaepernick. Were we expecting to make him that that make him him to make that huge leap? But I, I you you mentioned that Indianapolis game. So Alden Smith, that was the beginning of of all of that, right? Mm-hmm. That was where that started, and he came back for that Indianapolis game. And a lot of people said that that messed with the team chemistry, especially given the fact that they would just gotten like just totally plastered by the Seahawks. I remember that that week two game. It was delayed by lightning, and it was just a weird game. The Seahawks were up like five three at half. And then they went off in the second half and they scored a bunch of points in garbage time to make it look like it was a blowout. But really, like, it was like a two-score game or one-score game most of the way. I, I actually remember that very vividly because I was, I was in Seattle at the time, living there at the time. But, yeah, the next week they came out, they, they inexplicably lost to that Indianapolis team, who was a scrappy team like Andrew Luck, Chuck Pagano. That was a good team, but the Niners were the best roster in the league. You wouldn't expect them to lose two straight. And then after that, like you said, they, they reel off a bunch of games, even that Rams game. So the Rams game was a Thursday night game. If you remember that, mm-hmm. they were they kind do. of struggling there for a little bit. And it was a long touchdown, I believe, uh, was it before the half? The Kaepernick hit Bolden in the end zone. And after that, they kind of started to, to you know, put it on them. But again, like, they, they weren't consistent. And putting up a lot of points, that was great. They they inexplicably lost that game to New Orleans, although that was the Ahmad Brooks game. Remember that? That was that game where the, the game was over. Ahmad Brooks sacked Drew Brees. Patrick Willis reco- recovered the fumble, mm-hmm. and the game was over. The yeah. The referees, absolutely, like, terrible call to uh, to call Ahmad Brooks for roughing the passer. So the Saints go down kick the game-time field goal. They win in overtime, right? So I think that – or I guess that was that was a regulation game. They go down and kick the field goal and win at the end of the game. That, to me, was the game that turned that season, right? Because you had no margin for error because you had a couple silly losses earlier to mm-hmm. Carolina as well. Uh, so if you remember – and that Carolina game, they were up at the end there, they or they, they were going down to drive to, to win the game. Kendall Hunter took a handoff up the middle and fumbled in Carolina mm-hmm. territory. And that was it, right? That was basically, you know, that was the end of the game. They lost by a point. So again, you have to stack wins when you can, you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat because later on down the line, you're going to need those in your back pocket to be able to, to give you a little bit of leeway. Uh, you could argue that 2019 team that that game they played in new Orleans where people thought they were going to lose. They kind of ended up pulling a rabbit out of their hat at the end of that game. Well, they lost later on that season at home against Atlanta in a really dumb fashion at the end of at the buzzer when Julio Jones caught that touchdown at the end of the, at the end of the game, they needed mm-hmm. that win in new Orleans in 2019 because what happens at the end of the year, you play for the champion, you play for the divisional championship in, in, in Seattle for the MC West crown. So, I'm with you. Like they, they, they need to be able to beat these teams early. You got to beat the Rams. The Rams are a mess right now. You got to somehow beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. They're not a very good team right now, but they play tough in the first game. And you have to stack some wins at the beginning of the season because you're going to need those come at the end of the season when injuries happen, attrition happens. You may come, you may see a team on a, on a really hot streak. You may have a bad day yourself. So plan, plan for
1: the worst, right? Is that what they say? <laughs> You know what's interesting about those you brought the Carolina and the New Orleans games is yeah there were the Mad Brooks play the Kendall Hunter play there were things that happened and everybody always points to those like oh well if if only they didn't call that penalty on Brooks here's what I remember from those games they had forty six total pass yards against Carolina forty six yeah. and they had one hundred and fifteen against the Saints they weren't getting it done on their end. And that, that's part of the thing that always drove me crazy about that. It was like, oh, this and that for 2013. they The offense was terrible for a while. And that's yeah. what kept them from home field. Now, will that happen with this team? Here's the only the only way I could see this happening with this team. I really think if Purdy is, is Purdy, I think they're going to be fine. Don't know. Even with Lance, I think they could win games because Lance will take care of the ball. And I don't think Kyle's really going to put him in a position where he's going to throw a lot. I think it would be similar to what we saw last year. They're going to run a lot with him if it is Lance. I don't think Lance is going to be throwing the ball 30, 35 times. It'll be a different type of ball offense. Where, so where can they get into trouble here? If Sam Darnold does have to start early, okay? Everybody seems to think like, oh, well, Kyle Shanahan is the cure-all for Sam Darnold. He's going to be fine. You can't fix QBs who turn the ball over. Yep. Sam Darnold has 68 turnovers in 56 games, 55 interceptions, and 13 fumbles lost. Now, his teams are 21 and 34 with him as a starter. And has he had Adam Gase? Has he had Matt Rule? Has he been in a tough spot? Sure. He hasn't had the best thing around him, but he still he still made those turnovers. He's still a very turnover-prone quarterback. Even Kyle Shanahan cannot escape that. Think back no no further. I know there's a better team around him now, but Nick Mullins had 26 turnovers, 22 interceptions and four fumbled loss. CJ Beathard had 21 turnovers, 13 interceptions and eight fumbles lost when they were with the 49ers. The Niners were seven and 21 in the games that they started. So it's not that you can just plug in any quarterback with Kyle Shanahan and and they're going to be great. And we saw it with, before Brock Purdy, we saw it with Jimmy. Jimmy had his good games, but the, and, and Jimmy did cut his turnovers down, but there were the games, like I said, against New Orleans, against the Chargers, were just one mistake, and, and the game's completely different. But Jimmy took care of the ball for the most part in those games. The Niners were able to, to scrap them out. But if you get a QB who doesn't do that, that's the one thing I can see derailing them early on is if – and you can even say Lance because we still don't know what Lance. If, if Lance or Darnold go in there and, and they're turnover machines or they do a couple, especially against a team like – pittsburgh and that, that would probably be an ugly game a couple early turnovers then you could see maybe oh my god how is this team two and two i can't believe they're only three and two right now that sort of thing
0: yeah and everybody everybody kind of looks at the alex smith example in terms of a quarterback being able to turn around his career and and eliminate turnovers and become a very serviceable nfl quarter look that's the mm-hmm. exception that's not the rule for every alex smith that's out there you have a Jamarcus Russell, a Kyle Bowler, an Achilles Smith, a Cade Mcnown—guys that just flame out from the first round of the draft. There are the NFL history is littered with guys who were thought to be reclamation project. Rick, Rick Myers is another one of them. Guys mm-hmm. who were thought to be reclamation projects that teams took a chance on, and they just turned out to be nothing because they just weren't good. So I think we have to tread very carefully here with Sam Darnold and this whole experiment that 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 they're trying to really frankly force here because i feel like trey Mm -hmm. should be the starter he knows the system he's been in the system he should get a chance to start he is the guy that they invested all these first round picks in to trade up to get so how can you not give him a chance to start when he has it when he has a chance to start but if they do go with sam darnold i'm not expecting him to light the world on fire people like oh yeah like he was a first round pick for for a reason yeah but that reason has come and gone now at this point if if he hasn't produced by now he's not going to produce. If he's still turning the ball over at that clip, Al, it's going to continue. Like you just don't flip a switch that, because that, that has to do with judgment and that has to mm-hmm. do with, that has very little to do with athletic ability, right? You could argue that mm-hmm. maybe Sam Darnold is the most gifted thrower of the, of the three on the, on the roster right now. Matt Mayoko, as we know, he got flamed pretty hard about, about what he said about the, the comment about Sam Darnold throwing the ball and being the most gifted 49 thrower that, that they, there may have ever been, but that being said it it's more than just throwing the football it's decision making it's processing it's the ability to escape all of that encapsulates a good quarterback in the NFL and if you don't have even one of those abilities you're not going to you're not going to make it at this level that's that's how hard it is to make it as a quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFL we've done this exercise so many times before how many elite quarterbacks are there just a handful in the NFL and there's like a, a whole middling tier and there's a whole m- mediocre tier so what that tells us is that it's hard. It's hard to find one of those guys. And if a guy's already flamed out at several other stops or a couple of other stops, you can't just catch lightning and ball. The other thing I want to point to is Kyle's not some quarterback guru that's that's churning out a lot of developed quarterbacks. He's notoriously impatient with his quarterbacks. We know this about him. And if the the, the first sign of trouble, Kyle starts to look for another solution at quarterback. That's one of, That is one of his biggest faults. We know this. So that being said, like I don't expect anything out of Sam Darnold other than to babysit this offense, hopefully, to a couple wins if he plays. I don't want to see him play. I'd rather see Trey. But if it's Sam Darnold, it's Sam Darnold.
1: So, we, I never, I don't think we ever really talked about what Matt said about Sam Donald, the thrower thing. Now, obviously, he was just talking about, again, sort of physical ability. He wasn't saying like that he's Joe Montana or Steve Young, like some people like jump down his throat about. But where that gets me thinking is Matt is the most tied in dude to the 49ers, like that there is. He, he just is. Yeah. He knows, you know, he's, he's the guy when it comes to the 49ers. Somebody told him that, right? I mean, that's that's fair to assume, isn't it? That someone told him you know matt this guy's one of the most talented qbs this throwers of the football talent wise that 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 we've seen somebody told him that someone in the building and there's still this thing with darnold where people are like he's not gonna start somebody really likes him there it's it's evident that someone really really does so i was listening to kay adams today and she said um she was saying like, you know, I, I don't know if she's on Niners Twitter or what she does, but she was just like, I see Twitter and I see with the Niners and there's all this venom and arguing about the quarterbacks. She's like, just enjoy it. Just enjoy that you have three options and like, like see how it plays out. We've been hurt too many times, man, <laughs> to see how it plays out. <laughs> I think that's where most fans are, where they're just like, all right, you know, we've seen this movie before. So like, I understand that that there's definitely options here and there and there are. Listen. The Niners have three talented dudes, right, in, in in one of the best QB or one of the best offensive guys in the league. But still, we have seen too much, too much. There hasn't been an answer at this position in a really, really long time. So it's hard not to keep going back to this and talking about it.
0: Yeah, I, and look, Matt Mayoko, he's, he's one of the more measured people. That is kind of the standard, right? Mayoko, Barrows, those guys – they are the standard in terms of 49ers takes or level headedness or whatever you want to call it. And look, I was taken aback a little bit when he, when he put that out, because you don't, I, I don't expect him to take such a, a strong stance about anything because he's kind of down the middle for most of the things that he reports on. But mm-hmm. that being said, look, Sam Donald <laughs> year by year, his rookie year, I mean, whatever, he was a rookie, but yeah, 13, 13 games, he threw, 13 starts, he threw 15 picks the next, the next year, 13 starts, 13 picks the next year, 12 starts, 11 picks the next year, 11 starts, 13 picks. So, and then the last year is his actually his best year the, in the six games that he started, he only threw three picks in six games. So you could say that, okay, well, that, that was a start to something maybe more positive, or you could say that that was the outlier. So I just think that 49ers fans, we've seen so much so much shakiness from the quarterback position lately in the last six years, we've seen such little stability there between the injuries and the inconsistent play and the arguing and the bickering. I just, I just think that one reason why everybody appreciated what Brock Purdy did last year, it brought some sort of stability to that position in, in a mm-hmm. way that we hadn't seen before, because it, it it was the entire package. It wasn't just like, okay, he's, he's healthy and he's, and he's there and they're winning. It's also like, Hey, he's pl- he's playing pretty damn good. And the offense is playing pretty damn good when he's playing. So it was the, that whole package that we saw finally from Kyle Shanahan that we've never seen before. And now, obviously, we know he got, he got injured in, in the rest of his history. But I think that, look, Kay Adams, she's fantastic. We love her on the show, by the way. Kay, if you're out there listening, come on the show. Let's chop it. Let's talk some football. But I like hearing that level-headed sort of approach, saying like, hey, relax. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It not, everything has to be a knee-jerk reaction. And I think that that's the stance that I'm taking is that, look, mm-hmm. if it's Sam Darnold, fine, whatever. He'll be there for a couple games. It's Purdy's team. If it's not, I'm fine with that too. We get to see what Trey does, and we hopefully up that trade value or we get a good serviceable backup or who knows what happens. Regardless, the roster is set. It's an elite roster. You have elite-level skill players everywhere mm-hmm. around the field on both sides of the ball. And this is arguably the, the second best team or the best team in the NFC right now. So what are we really complaining about?
1: Well, yeah, I just think the only thing that can derail it is, is QB injuries or that that that's really it. This team is just too loaded not to, even if they lost one of their big stars on offense they they have so much more to at least keep going. Um, we we've seen what they can, you know, Kittle's been out for a while. Debo's been out for a while and, and they, they still kept going last year, um, especially at the end there. They, they were amazing. Now, defensively, Zane, do you think there's a new coordinator this year? They've lost some pieces. Jimmy Ward's not there anymore. They've lost some depth, especially at edge. Do, do you still see this defense as elite, or do you think they could take a step back, or where do you see them?
0: I still see them as elite because, really, that, again, that front four took a little bit of a hit, but you, you pick up Javon Hargrave. You mm-hmm. got Jair Brown. You, you had a pretty, pretty good draft. You got Robert Beal Jr., who was just a, a screaming banshee off the edge. So they picked up a lot of really good role players this offseason, uh, although Hargrave's not a role player. I, feel, I expect him to be a star in this defense. And they filled a lot of holes that, that were with really shrewd moves. You brought Gibson back on the one-year deal. You have another year of growth from Hufanga. You've got really another year for, of growth from, from Dre Greenlaw as well it seems like you've set, settled your, your outside corner positions with, with Mooney and Lenore, which was a huge question mark going into last season. So I would argue that, that Steve Wilkes is maybe not an upgrade, but at least like a net positive from what, from what they had in D'Amico Ryan's just, just an experience mm-hmm. standpoint, because in terms of leadership and the ability to, to run the defense as like a CEO, right? Because he's had that head coaching experience, right? And those guys are typically really, really good coordinators. So, I don't know if they taken a step back, talent wise. You could argue maybe they did, right? You lose Aziz, and, and there's no replacement plan there. But in terms of like the gap between them and any other defense, I think that that was so large that it may not yeah. matter. Maybe Dallas was close, but I don't. Th- I don't think it's gonna matter because they were so they were so far above most defense in the NFL. Like this was a historic defense. We kind of went over it during the season. They were historically mm-hmm. good in terms of allowing less than what was it their their streak of, of less than 17 points, I believe, or 12 points or whatever it was that Brian always used to refer to. So yeah. that it, it, the, taking a step back from that, you're still going to be elite. I feel like they will still be a lead, even if they take a, a small step back.
1: Yeah. They had a stretch last year from week 10 on, they gave up 16, 10, 0, 17, 7, 13, 20. They were dominant and the start of the season. They gave up 19, 7, 11, 9, 15. They just really had two weeks there, and it was when they were beat up against the Falcons and the Chiefs when they gave up 28-44. They had a weird game against the Raiders in Week 17 where they gave up 34. You know, stuff like that's going to happen, right? You're going to have off weeks. Yeah. But other than that, they were great. I don't count the Philly game again. It was a complete aberration. Yeah. Dallas, they made Dak Prescott look shook, really, two years in a yep. row. Um, Had him playing poorly. So, yeah, I, I still think – it's going to be a strength of the team. I don't necessarily know how it will compare to last year, just because for me, I think with the linebackers, you, you still got Warner and Greenland. There. You're still good to go. The secondary did Gibson maybe play over his head last season. Maybe um, I can even, I even think Brown, if he, if he really shows out this year, he could end up being the starter by the end of the year. Cause he's their long-term guy there. So if he yeah. comes in and, and, and he outplays Gibson, it looks like he, he could be playing well. You know, they had nine interceptions with their safeties. Is that going to happen again? I don't know. You got to hope Lunow continues the trajectory. I really like the Isaiah Oliver pickup. I think that's an yeah. underrated pickup for Nickel. I think he's going to step in and do do a really good job there. Now, obviously, we know um, Hargrave and Armstead in the middle there. That's going to be absolutely devastating with Bosa mm-hmm. coming off the edge. Absolutely devastating with those three in, the, in passing situations. The only well, I don't want to say. We have to see what happens. The Drake Drake Jackson is might be the most pivotal player on the defense. He really, he really might be how he jumps up in year two. If he even gives above average production on the other side for the edge, or if he's above average. edge, he doesn't have to be crazy because of the other three guys. He's going to get a lot of opportunities and that's, that's going to help the defense immensely. They need somebody else on that other side to step up, whether, whether I can't say a lot about Beals because he's such a late round pick, but obviously they think a lot of Jackson because they haven't gone out and signed a vet yet. They, they still may. But he's somebody to me who's who is definitely the person to look at because I, I don't trust Austin Bryant, I don't trust Cleveland Farrell, I don't trust Alex Barrett. I, I just think those other guys aren't going to give you that production. It's it, it's Drake Jackson. It's a huge year for him, but I would like to see them still pick up that edge at some point.
0: I, I well, Yannick and is still out there, right?
1: Yeah, he's, so. the, I mean, horrible against the run, but he's somebody you can bring in passing situations.
0: Yep, and that's that's you know? the only reason why you bring him in. Just just put him opposite Bosa and let him hunt. So I think, so what what would be, let me ask you, what would be a reasonable sort of expectation between assuming that Robert Beal Jr. makes the team and, and he's in the rotation, because that's what they drafted him for. I feel like they just wrapped him for one, one reason only, uh, like Brian says, to be in that NASCAR package. Mm-hmm. So what would the reasonable expectation for number of sacks be between the Drake Jackson and Robert Beal Jr. platoon if it, if it comes to fruition?
1: Oh, God.
0: Like to, to make a difference, right? Enough enough to make a difference. To
1: make a difference? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I, – I would say pressures has, has a lot to do with it as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you look at last season. So both had eight and a half sacks. The next closest guy was Ibu Con with five. So there's a big yeah. drop off and a who had four and a half. So Bosa was the guy getting most of those sacks there. So if, if Jackson and um, Beals come in and got, and got nine, I mean, that that's phenomenal, right? Cause that's what the other two guys did, but you think mm-hmm. you're going to get more from Hargrave. And I I think Armstead will have a better season too, because Hargrave is there. You'll probably yeah. get more from the interior guys. I just think those outside guys, if they can all combine for 10, like all of them, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think maybe that's, that's just enough to offset because the other three are so good. But, um, that's 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 going to be the key. I, re- I really do. I, I don't think enough. This is still going to be a good defense. There's stars everywhere. The secondary is good. The linebackers are phenomenal. The defensive line has major stars on it. It's just that other edge position is a big question mark to me and could hurt them. God forbid anything happens. I'm not even going to say it. Nick Bosa is just going to play every game. That's all I'm going to think. <laughs> yes. Because that ever happens and you got big problems there. So that's the one thing again, looking at a Super Bowl, not this isn't going to keep them out of the playoffs. If the Niners don't win 10 or 11 games this season, it's then everybody got hurt, or it was the most, the biggest disaster of a season ever. The Niners are loaded. they are going to win 10, 11 games. We're talking championship. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about being 10 and seven and get a wild card. 13 games. Super Bowl—that's the expectation this year. So when we look at this roster and we talk about this stuff, yeah, nobody's perfect. Yeah, the Niners still have a better defense than most of the other teams in the league. But we're not worried about most of the other teams in the league that are going to flame out. We're worried about winning the Super Bowl. There's probably only four or five teams that can, maybe more, maybe six that can really say that. And most of those are in the AFC. That's the other thing too, is that I think you got Philly and the Niners, and I'm not going to discount Dallas. I'm I'm yeah. not. They have a really good front seven. Um, I can't discount them, but everybody else in the NFC, I mean, am I missing anybody?
0: I mean, I mean Seattle's I a hot know. name. Everybody's just not liking their draft, but I just I just don't trust Geno yeah. Smith. They're, and I don't think year. they're
1: there yet. Yeah, I don't no. think they're there yet. Um uh, and other
0: teams- they have no pass rush. Uh they were talking about I mean, look, people are talking about the Lions as a hot team as well. That's that's yeah another team that was really, a really scrapped I think it's a cute story I don't by any means think that they're a top team in the NFC I don't think no, they, I don't think they're on the level Eagles. with the
1: Niners and the Eagles not,
0: close. No, not at all it's like it's like Niners and Eagles up here and then everybody else like there's another tier of of like Minnesota and you got Seattle yeah. and, and and the Lions and all these teams that are basically like vying for like that second tier that will make the playoffs but I don't think we'll make much noise so It'll be interesting. I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to do this exercise with you and Brian when you get closer to the season. Just like ranking the tiers of teams in the NFL in both conferences. Because look, your AFC opponent in the Super Bowl, because the Niners will make the Super Bowl, right? That's what, that's what we're saying. That's Your AFC so. opponent, it's going to be an elite quarterback because there's Mahomes, there's Burrow, there's Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. there's Josh Allen. Like, they, look, it's going to be one of those four guys most likely, right? And and then you've got other teams like Miami, who's a really great team that that's kind of on the cusp. So yeah, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, it's amazing. Exactly. You've got Justin Herbert and then you've got, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in Denver with Russell Wilson? We have a a, a resurrection and, and, you know, our friend, our friend Jimmy in in Las Vegas, right? Like who knows what happens with that, right? But go five and 12 this season. Yeah, I know. Right. But there's, there's a balance of power that shifted the AFC. So the Niners, like in in addition to the schedule talk that we had, I want to close by saying that you have a chance to really, really, Stack yourselves at the top of your conference if you play this well and to, to get a favorable matchup in the playoffs is what is. And that's really what you want. You want as many home games as possible. And that's exactly what happened last year. They got, mm-hmm. they got as many home games as possible and they were able to do, they were able to get to the championship with it. So if you don't get that first seed, get the two seed, get as many home games as possible, make it as easy as, uh, on yourself as possible and get ready to play whoever it's going to be in the AFC with an elite quarterback. And you got to stay healthy for that.
1: 100%. All right, next show, we're going to maybe go through the schedule, and maybe see how we think the Niners are going to do and look at the games and records and all that stuff. So we'll do that next show when Brian's back. For Zane, I'm out. Peace. Niners on three! One, two, three. Ah! 2400 Sports is an Odyssey Company.